Father God, thank you so much for your love. God, you are so good to us. And Father, we are so thankful for how you continue to work in our lives. Because you are faithful even though we may be faithless sometimes. God, you are good even when, uh, even when life isn't. So Jesus, I pray that you please bless Pastor Tom right now. Uh, give him strength and give him the, uh, the, uh, give him the, the um, peace as he continues to preach this, uh, this morning. And Lord, we love you and ask this in your name. Amen. 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 Samuel just likes the name because it's before lunch and he's hungry. He's always hungry. Uh, and by the way, it's newcomer's lunch today. And Samuel will remind you of that at the end of the service. But if you're new in the last few months, you've never been to a newcomer's lunch, uh, just hang out with us in the youth room. There will be some signage out there. And uh, we will have lunch for you. And you get to meet the staff. You're gone in about a half hour or so. And so please join us for newcomer's lunch. This is part four already of our series called The Philistines Are Coming. It, like Samuel said, it's called Sweet and Sour. Part one, if you remember, was entitled Called from Birth. Part two was Moved by the Spirit. Last week in part three, Samson's true character was revealed in a, in a message called My Way. We're in the seventh book of the Bible, the book of Judges. You can turn there. Uh, it's after the first five books of the Bible, which were written by Moses. That's known as the Pentateuch. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That encompasses the creation account. It encompasses uh, the, uh, the captivity, the Hebrews brought into captivity into the land of Egypt. It encompasses the exodus out of Egypt and the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness under the leadership and direction of a man named Moses. Then we have two books that begin with the letter J. One is the book of Joshua. Joshua is the successor to Moses, and he takes the Israelites from the wilderness into the promised land. The, the seventh book, the book we're in today, is the book of Judges, and this is where they begin to set up the government in the land of Canaan, the promised land that becomes the nation of Israel. So that's where we are, Judges 14. And this message is all over the place today. And I don't necessarily like this. I like having a point other than the one on the top of my head. And I don't know that I, I don't feel like I have a point today. So this message is all over the place. And, and so I'm really curious as to how the Spirit will speak to you today through this message. So that's why I wanted you to hang on to your connection card so that on the back, the part where it says praise reports, if God speaks to you during the sermon, if something jumps out to you, something stands out to you, I would just like you to write that on there just so that out of curiosity, I can see where, where the Holy Spirit took this. Um, as we pick up the story, a Philistine girl had caught Samson's eye on, on a road trip that he took to Timnath. This would be a major family faux pas. And his parents tried. They tried to redirect him to, to a woman of his own people, to a woman of his own religion. But Samson was smitten. And it would result in a, in a disaster on several fronts. What he, what he thought would make him happy would wind up bringing pain to everyone involved. 
He was off the path. Samson was off the path that God had for him, and he was leaking potential by the gallon. But Samson saw what he liked, and that was that. So let the wedding plans begin. Verse 5 of chapter 14 of the book of Judges says, Then went Samson down and his father and his mother with him to Timnath. And they came to the vineyards of Timnath, and behold, a young lion roared against him. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. Don't, Don't miss that part of the story, okay? The Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon Samson, and and he rent the lion as he would have rent a kid, which speaks of a, a goat, and he had nothing in his hand, but he told not his father and his mother what he had done. So apparently, they're traveling separate on the way to Timnath to make wedding plans. Did you know that the call of God is irrevocable? Romans 11.29 says says this, For the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. Samson had made some terrible decisions. He He was going his own way. But God's call was still valid in his life. And the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. Don't you see? The gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. If you were called, you are called. You can fight it, you can resist it, you can avoid it, you can neglect it, you can even run from it. But you are still called. It's in you as much as your eyes are blue or green or brown. That means no matter how far down the road you get, you can always return to the call of God. You remember Jonah. He was was called to Nineveh, and he he took off running in the exact... If you look on a map, he takes off running in the exact opposite direction. He bought a ticket, he boarded a ship, and he sailed away. But God used a storm. And God used some heathen sailors. And God used a big fish to get Jonah's attention. And when Jonah returned, his call was still in place. He preached the gospel and a great revival spread throughout the land of Nineveh. It's a great story. You may think you've wandered too far. You may think you've stayed away too long. But the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. He will never give up on you. Hear me, church. He will never give up on you. If you look again to Jesus, if you will turn to Him again, His Spirit will come mightily upon you. His gifts and His calling are irrevocable unalterable, and unchanging. Samson discovered that as he made his way to Timnath to finalize his wedding plans. And his exploits began with the slaying of one solitary lion. Success usually starts small. Long before Samson slew 1,000 men with the jawbone of a donkey, long before he 
tore away the gates of the city and carried him to the top of the hill outside Hebron long before he toppled the pillars at the the great feast killing 3,000 Philistines long before any of the major exploits that we remember him for today. He killed a lion. One lion. That's the way it works, you know. It's all too easy to overlook the value of the menial task. We often look at the life of a person who has arrived on the top of the world, the athlete, the the politician, the businessman. But you really learn when you study their path to success. David didn't start out as king. And yet the call to be king was resident within him. But he had to work his way up. He had to pay his dues. He had several older brothers, David did, remember? And and when you have older brothers, some of you can attest to this, nothing gets handed to you except the list of chores. You have to struggle and you have to work and you have to climb the merit ladder. You earn everything you get in the real world And it starts in the realm of the menial task. As the youngest brother, David was stuck in the field with the sheep. In the beginning, he was as far from a king as you could possibly get. He was a lowly shepherd boy. It was a dirty job, performed when no one was looking. It was a thankless task that no one ever noticed unless something went horribly wrong. There's other jobs like that. Our custodian. No one notices the custodian until something isn't done. Then it's like, where's the custodian? Who's running this joint? How about the sound tech? No one notices the sound tech if everything runs well. But as soon as a mic doesn't work or the video feed stops... We all crane our neck back there to see. (laughs) But during those long nights in the pasture, God was shaping David's character. God was preparing him for what was still ahead. Could it be, church, that God is using a menial task to shape you. During the endless hours while the sheep rested, David honed his skill with the slingshot. For hours on end, he would set up tin cans on the fence posts and knock them down one by one with the smooth stones launched from his trusty weapon. Reminds me of a generation or two ago when kids incessantly played video games. We thought they were wasting time. Now they're surgeons and programmers and fighter pilots. Who knew? And David's time in the field would not be wasted either. One day he would secure a great victory with that trusted slingshot. He would wind up, he'd let it fly, and and he would bury a rock in the center of Goliath's forehead. But it didn't start there. It started in the field at night alone, those long, uneventful evenings 
those countless hours practicing with his slingshot and chasing away wild animals. In the book of 1 Samuel chapter 17, we find David making his case to King Saul to be the one to fight Goliath. Now, you remember this story, the Philistines and the Israelites set in battle array, and they're kind of at a stalemate, they're at a standstill. Finally, Goliath steps up into the, into the, the battlefield, and he says, hey, I'll fight any one of the Israelites. Send me your best warrior. If I beat him, then, then we win. If he beats me, then, then you win. But none of the Israelites will step to the forefront. One day, Goliath goes up to make his, his challenge again, and David happens to be on the scene. And David's a teenager, and his father has sent him up to bring provision to his older brothers. That's the only reason David is there. David sees Goliath, and he says, I'll fight this guy. And so they bring David, this teenage boy, to King Saul. And David begins to make his case. He says, he says, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. And so I went after him and smote him, and I delivered the lamb out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard, and I smote him and slew him. That, that was David's entire resume to this point. They were small beginnings. But God had big things in store. Then he sums up his appeal to Saul. He says, Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be as one of them, seeing as he has defied the armies of the living God. David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and the God that delivered me out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go for it. It all started, my whole point is it all started behind the scenes. Private victory always precedes public victory. The boxer who wins on Friday night fights had to work out while everyone else was out playing. While they were strapping on the feed bag at the all-you-can-eat banquet, he was at the salad bar. While everyone else partied the night away, the boxer was getting to bed so he could rise early to train for his next fight. While everyone else slept in on the cold winter mornings, he was up doing road work before the sun came up. No one saw all that. That all happened long before he was on Friday night fights. That all happened long before the referee ever hoisted his arm in triumph. Private victory, church, always precedes public victory. The same is true in the life of a Christian. Lots of what makes you who you are happens when no one is looking. Let me give you five behind-the-scenes building blocks in the life of a Christian. Number one, Bible study. Number two, prayer. Number three, church attendance. I'm so glad you're in church today. God bless you for, for being in church. Man. Number four, ministry. Again, these are five behind-the-scenes building blocks in the life of a Christian. Ministry. Much of ministry 
happens behind the scenes. As we speak, there's someone with your children. There's someone with our elementary age kids. They're teaching. That's their, their ministry. They came today prayed up and prepared to teach your children so that you could sit here and, and relax, not worry about where the kids are, not try to referee the kid next to you, right? That's a whole different game. They're with your, there's some adults with your children ministering to your elementary age kids. There's, there's other adults with your toddlers. There's, do you, now think about this. In this behind-the-scenes world, right, called ministry, there's people that got up and came to church today knowing that they wouldn't be in here. They would be in with your babies. And so right now, there's, there's adults in caring for your baby. They got up knowing they wouldn't get to hear a dynamic sermon from a good-looking preacher. <laughs> They're back in the nursery taking care of your infants. Uh, there, there's gate, the gatekeeper ministry. So from 10 to 10.30, every Sunday morning, there's a team of people once a month, different team every, every week, and they're scheduled for once a month. They meet in room three. We put them in the farthest back corner room that could possibly be a part of the building. No one sees them. They're out of view, and they pray. They pray that, that the presence of God will be ushered in. They pray to keep evil out the gatekeepers. You drive into this place on a Sunday morning, you drive by during the week, and you think, man, that place looks great. It looks like a, looks like a national park, that property. Somebody mows that property. Volunteers from this church mow. We had a membership class yesterday, Saturday morning, and I heard Mike Payne out with his weed whipper doing all the work around the, the building. No one sees all that, Right? ministry behind the scenes. It's one of the behind the scenes building blocks in the life of a Christian. And the last one, number five, is giving. Nothing says I'm in like giving. Five behind the scenes building blocks in the life of a Christian. These are among the things that shape you as a believer. And they are often done in the solitude and in the quiet of your private world. The people we are in public, hear me now, church, the people we are in public are shaped by the people we are in private. Character, they say, is what you are like when no one is looking. Now on with the wedding plans. Verse 7 of Judges 14 says, He went down and he talked with the woman and she pleased Samson well. This is the gal that we referred to in the, earlier in the series. He saw her, he liked her, he wanted her. Um, verse 8, after a time he returned to take her and he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. So apparently, we don't necessarily get the details here, but apparently he returned home again. Verse 8 says he returned to take her. He turned aside to see the carcass of the lion that he had killed on his previous trip. Remember that? And there was a swarm of bees and honey in the carcass of the lion. So he took thereof in his hands, and he went on eating, and he came to his father and his mother, and he gave some to them, and they did eat. But he told them not that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. 
You can't make this stuff up. <laughs> so his father went, went down unto the woman, and Samson made there a feast, for so the young men used to do. Verse 11, it came to pass, when they saw him, they brought 30 companions to be with him. I would say this is the bachelor party. <laughs> Samson said unto them, I will now put forth a riddle unto you. If you can declare it to me within the seven days of the feast, they knew how to party, and find out this riddle, then I will give you 30 sheets and 30 changes of garments. An unusual prize in our culture, maybe not so much back then. Verse 13, but if you cannot declare it unto me, then you shall give me 30 sheets and 30 changes of garments. They said unto him, put forth your riddle that we may hear it. And he said unto them, out of the eater came forth meat, and out of the strong came forth sweetness. Nothing like a good riddle. Life is a giant riddle sometimes, isn't it? What's life all about? You ever have somebody say, what, what's life all about? Why are we here? What are we meant to do? What am I meant to do? Why isn't life fair? Why not me and not them? Why not them and not me? It's all, it's all a riddle. It's a conundrum wrapped in a mystery inside an enigma. Out of the eater came forth meat, and out of the strong came forth sweetness. There are lots of unanswered questions, aren't there? But ultimately, it's about the next step. When you walk in obedience and trust God, He will open doors for you. Your part, my part, is faithfulness. I'm the pastor, and, and for some of you, that, that's all you know. But for me, it was a series of small steps. Many of those small steps took place in my private world. It started by getting saved here in 1983 at this very church as a 23-year-old young man. And I didn't just join the church that day. I gave my life to Jesus. Amen. My first ministry was ushering. Then I taught three-year-old Sunday school for six years. When Corrine became the youth pastor, she asked me to work with the teenagers, and it was an amazing decade helping Corrine with the youth group. I can't tell you how much I learned from Corrine. I served as the church custodian, Aaron, for six months when times at my former employer, Georgia Pacific, were tough. Somewhere along the line, I began to teach adult Sunday school and lead connect groups, and I served as worship leader. Eventually, I responded to the call into pastoral ministry, and in 2002, at the age of 43, I began my studies to become a pastor. Now, for the record, I had no idea what that entailed, I had no idea what it looked like, and I had no idea where it would take me. I only knew the next step. It was a gigantic riddle to which I did not know the answer. Out of the eater came forth meat, and out of the strong came forth sweetness. What did it all mean? I taught at Maranatha Academy while I was taking classes for ministry, and I learned way more than the students I taught ever did. Then three years later, when I received my credentials, Pastor Paul, the pastor here at the time, hired me as a non-salaried teaching pastor. That means you don't get any money. It was a big deal to me. 
year or so later, I was hired as youth pastor here at Central Assembly, where I served for five years until Pastor Paul Anderson retired. I was selected by our search committee and elected by our membership to serve as pastor back in, in 2009. It was all a giant riddle to me. I didn't have any manual telling me how to become pastor of Central Assembly. I had no roadmap of where God was taking me. I was on the adventure of a lifetime. Out of the eater came forth meat, and out of the strong came forth sweetness. Many times, I was just taking the next step as directed by God. And all of that sounds way more spiritual and way more dramatic than it really was in the moment. My point is, yeah, life is a riddle. I'm a big believer that we're just called to be faithful and obedient. And as we are, the Spirit of God will take us places we never dreamed possible. I've told the story before of a man who attended and played football at Wesleyan College in Middletown, Connecticut. Upon graduation, he had a desire to coach, and so he, he took a $25 a week job as a gopher for the Baltimore Colts coaching staff in 1975. He'd put donuts out for staff meetings, he'd make the coffee in the morning, but everything he did, he did well. And people noticed that he had an eye for detail. They felt comfortable with his work, and they continued to increase his level of responsibility. Somewhere down the line, they gave him the important task of assembling and preparing film for study by the coaches and the players. An important job in the NFL, especially in the pre-tech era of the 1970s, and he did it with excellence. He then took a job as an assistant to the special teams coach, with the Detroit Lions. He worked his way through the ranks of various teams until he began a 12-year stint as special teams coach of the New York Giants. He wasn't the headliner, but he was faithful in everything he did. Even the most menial task was done with excellence, and every detail was cover covered, and people noticed. Eventually, he was promoted to defensive coordinator, and later he went on to become a head coach in the National Football League. His name is Bill Belichick. He's a three-time coach of the year, six-time Super Bowl champion as head coach of the New England Patriots. He was faithful in the little things. He may have felt like he was better than a $25 a week gopher, but instead of complaining and instead of quitting, he became the best gopher he could be. He was faithful in the little things. Had he, now hear me, church. Here's the part that scares me to death. Had he neglected the menial tasks, he would have left all kinds of potential on the table. And he would never have known what he missed. So if he quit when he was a gopher, he wouldn't be lamenting now, saying, you know, I could have been three-time coach of the year, six-time world champion. He wouldn't know. How much potential do we lose because we fail to be faithful at the menial task? And sadly, that's exactly what Samson did. 
There were several times Samson comes to a fork in the road. He has a key decision to make, and he chooses his way instead of God's way, and the result is a tragic loss of potential. Life isn't such a difficult riddle when you realize your part in the equation is simply faithfulness. But the Philistine men couldn't figure out the riddle, so they took matters into their own hands. Verse 15 says, It came to pass on the seventh day that they said unto Samson's wife, Entice your husband, that he may declare unto us the riddle, lest we burn you and your father's house with fire. Little ultimatum there. Samson's wife, in verse 16, wept before Samson and said, Do you hate me? Don't you love me that you've put forth this riddle to the, to the children of my people and you haven't told me? And he said, hey, I haven't even told my mom and my dad. Shall I tell it to you? She wept before him for seven days, it says in verse 17, while their feast lasted. came to pass on the seventh day that he told her because she lay sore upon him and she told the riddle to the men. And the men of the city said unto Samson on the seventh day, verse 18 says, Before the sun went down, what is sweeter than honey? And what is stronger than a lion? And he said unto them, Had you not plowed with my heifer, you would not have found out my riddle. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson. He went down to Ashkelon. He slew 30 men of them, took their spoil, gave change of garments unto them which expounded the riddle. And his anger was kindled, And he went up to his father's house in Zorah. And Samson's wife was given to his companion, whom he had used as a friend. Samson reluctantly acknowledges that they had won the wager, but he seems to understand that he had been deceived in the process. Now, the expression, if if you had not plowed with my heifer, is an expression of unfaithfulness. I ran it by Rhonda. She didn't like it so much. (laughs) Verse 19 says, Samson's anger was kindled. All of this is the inevitable result of hanging out with the Philistines. Now let me close with five problems that come with aligning yourself with the world. Five problems you will have when you hang out with the Philistines instead of God's people. Number one, and I'm not going to expound on these, it's just a list. Number one, the Philistines have their own best interests at heart. God has your best interests at heart. Number two, hanging with the Philistines will pull you down to their level. Hanging out with God and the people of God will raise you closer to your potential. Number three, the Philistines provide very short-term pleasure. God offers long-term joy. Number four, the, (laughs) the Philistines will complicate your existence. Hey, the world will complicate your life. I promise you that. God will help to bring clarity to the riddle of life. Number five, hanging with the Philistines will leave you with an eternity of regret. A life lived for Jesus will leave you with an eternal existence filled with gratitude. 
So let me, let's look at five lessons that we learned today from the life of Samson. The gifts and the calling of the Lord are irrevocable. If you were called, you are called. Number two, great success is birthed in little wins. Success starts small. Number three, lots of what makes you who you are happens when no one is looking. Private victory precedes public victory. Number four, life is a riddle sometimes. Just stay faithful. In the, in the moments when you don't know what to do, do what you know is right. Number five, hanging out with the Philistines will eventually go bad on you. It always does. Lord, I pray for these folks. I don't know what they got out of this. It just feels like a hodgepodge of thoughts to me. But Lord, I know you can, you can take what I muddled up and you can drive it home. And so, Lord, I'm counting on you for that today. Pray, Lord, that we'd leave with something. We'd leave with something to think about. We'd leave changed. We'd leave moved. We'd leave with a, with a next step. Something in my life that needs to change. Something in my life that I need to do different. Something in my life that I need to do better. Lord, we need you to, to make that clear to us. I pray, Lord, for the one that, that's here today that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior. Maybe they've never encountered the gospel message. Lord, I pray that today they would put their faith in you, that they would realize that, that you, Heavenly Father, sent your only begotten Son into this world to die for our sins. That if we would confess our sins, that you would be faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And there's others here that have wandered away. They thought the gifts and the calling of God were temporary, conditional. Today they were reminded that the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. And as they make their way back to you, the Spirit of the Lord can come upon them mightily. I pray that for everyone here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and finish with worship this morning. Let the things that have been said this morning soak in in his presence this morning. spoken is challenge our hearts this morning.